Welcome to the December edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. We're back after an enforced hiatus as we've all had to put up with the first ever Winter World Cup and the most evil and corrupt FIFA tournament of our lifetimes. Uh, <laughs> can't, can't hold back, champs. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> Those games, of course, uh, they continue as we enter into the last stages of the knockouts. But thankfully, real football is back with the return of the Hatters this weekend at Middlesbrough. It will, of course, be the first game in charge of new town boss Rob Edwards, and we'll have plenty to talk about regards the new man in the Hatters' hot seat. But first off, the eagle-eared among you will have clocked that I am not your regular host, Kevin Harper. I am, in fact, one of the ever-present blatherers on this fine institution of an audio recording. I am James Cunliffe, and I've been drafted in as temporary host. You'll be glad to hear for what hopefully is the podcast equivalent of a concussion sub. Uh, (laughs) Not that Kev is in any present danger, you'll see, though his rare absence may or may not have something to do with an entirely fictionalised account involving a vat of eggnog, Santa's naughty list and a candy cane. Such is the congested Christmas season that we are now launched head first into. Thankfully, to help shake the snow globe that is our collective memories and guide us into the Rob Edwards era of Luton Town Football Club. I have with me the regular voices of Trust Chairman Tony Murray and fan Dan Barrett-Davis. How are you, gents? Good, mate. Yeah, very well, thank you. Glad to get back to proper football, as you said. Indeed, proper football. We've missed it, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) Missed it a lot. Um, We've got a two-parter this month, two episodes for you the first part we'll discuss rob edwards appointment and earlier today kev spoke to the man himself so we've got an exclusive interview for you with the manager and we'll round off the episode by casting our minds back into the depths of time uh, to remember the games played uh, from sunderland onwards and then in the second part tony will be reminiscing about former midfielder brian horton as we continue the blast from the past feature about the 81-82 title winning squad in this 40th anniversary season. And then we'll debate the World Cup added time rule and its potential application in domestic football. And then we'll finish off, we'll look ahead to next month's matches, including the FA Cup draw at home to Wigan. But back to part one matters and we've got a new manager since we were last on the airwaves. And that is Rob Edwards. Gents, uh, Tony, your your take on his appointment? I'm uh, really pleased with the appointment. He, he certainly seems a real deal. Um, certainly at this point in time, he, he talks a good game. Um, but he, he, he comes across as uh, a, a likeable young guy. Um, he, seem, he seems to know his stuff and he, he, he he's not seeming to have any uh, plans to wholesale change the, the squad. He's got lots of positive things to say about them and uh, indeed about Nathan. I mean, it's one of those unusual situations where um, he's come into a job where a manager hasn't been fired uh, and having to pick the squad up and the players up. So that's quite good. And from what I've heard, the players seem to like him. Um, so I, I, I dare say that at that this precise moment in time, I think perhaps it was time for Nathan to move on 
uh, thank him for everything he's done for, you know, saving us from relegation and uh, improving our league position and, and for getting to the playoff finals last season. But, you know, now and again, you know, a, a side needs refreshing. Uh, somebody coming in with new ideas and, uh, you know, just to, to buck things up a little bit and uh, get there. I, I, I You know, from uh, the supporters, I think we all need to give him time uh, to make his stamp on the team and how, you know, they're going to play. And, you know, if things go badly at first, not to get on his back. But there is one thing, he'll, he'll certainly get more than 10 games with us. <laughs> Uh, well, that is the obvious next point, isn't it, Dan? Um, yeah. As uh, a recently former Watford manager, along with about a hundred other people, <laughs> uh, does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean much? Um, well, it says more about us as a club, doesn't it? I mean, we've had what forty odd managers in one hundred and thirty-five years. They've had one hundred and thirty-five managers in forty years. So <laughs> <laughs> there's there's, uh, there's uh, more stability coming to Luton Town yeah. to a club like us. Um, Edwards has obviously seen that as well. Um, you know, we and we all know how we work. We know, we've seen how Watford work and whatever. Um, normally, there is a little bit of, oh, he's worked for them. We don't want the enemy working for us. They'll call him Agent Edwards for a little bit if things go wrong. But to be honest, I really don't think it matters. Like It's, it's like he was on a little loan spell there, really, doesn't it? It doesn't mean that he was Watford through and through for years. He didn't take him up through any promotions or guide them through any length of time to say that you know he's, he's still one of them sort of thing so yeah I, th- I think that it, it potentially it's the same situation as where with Jones back in 2016 when he came in you know a new fresh face young lots of ideas um, lots of plans and stuff it's it's very similar to, to that appointment and, you know and that's the kind of the mould that Luton said they wanted like Gary said quite early on when, when Nathan went that you know, we want someone young, not necessarily experienced, who's been around the block, and potentially, you know, Ed- Edwards can carry on the good work that Jones has already done, and take us. Who knows? Could he take us to the next level? That's well, we'll see, won't we? I mean, um, certainly on the Watford front, he's had a very um, good icebreaker. I thought I was I had the pleasure and the privilege of going to his first press conference, and he said, "Well, it's not like I'm a Watford legend, is it?" <laughs> and I, I, I guess there will there there will be some fans, hopefully a very small minority, that do say something about that. But there will if they do. Do they then lose the right to enjoy the work of Henry Lansbury and Dion Pereira for the same reason? Well, the, this is it. Footballers and managers come and go, and the fans always stay. Um, you know, t- to a lot of players and managers, like it or not, it, yeah, it is a job to them. It's part yeah. of a career, and we're the same. You know, if I'm working for, I don't know, someone like uh, British Gas, and then another energy company comes in and says, oh, I'm going to pay you 10 times more. I think, oh no, I'll stay loyal. You don't, you're not in your right mind. It's, it, football's a, it, it's a very cutthroat business. So one minute you could be like fravor of the month and the next minute you've forgotten about. You know, and that's, that's where the, the, there's always a ri- element of risk anyway with, when you're appointing somebody like Edwards. I mean, his CV does look impressive with what he did at Forest Green Rovers. Um, getting them up to League One. They've never been that high before. So the pedigree's there, but at the same time, it could be a risk. He's had a bit of a taste at Watford where he, he did okay there. You know, certainly wasn't sacking material, unless you're them. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, look at it. There's been plenty of 
players that have moved between the two clubs in the past. You could name an 11 yeah. now, yeah. easily, you, you, over the last 30 years. You know, you know, you're definitely, you've got Alex yeah. Chamberlain in goal, haven't you? Yeah. But, um, you know, two notable players as well, Matthew Spring, mm. Kerry Dixon. Yeah. You know, to name yeah. two outfield players. and They were well-loved uh, by Luton fans as well, especially Springy. Yeah. yeah. You, know. you know, so um, it's just how it is these days, isn't it? I mean, the thing is that... Um, the way things are with new managers going to the club, it, it, you know, it's going to be a situation where people will be hard-pressed to find a manager that hasn't actually worked for Watford. Yeah, it won't be long. <laughs> it won't be long. <laughs> well, I have to say that when we did the last podcast, I was still very much in quite frustrated mode that Nathan had gone. Again, you can listen back. It's nothing to do with Nathan, no malice there whatsoever. But I wasn't particularly interested in any of the debate about round two at that time around what manager would come in and uh, and take the job but obviously there were names like Neil Critchley getting bandied around and, and stuff like that Rob Edwards was on there um, yeah. on the shortlist and I personally when I had a look at it after that podcast thought well that is a good option but I didn't envisage that Luton would actually go for it because of the connection so I was wrong there happily um, so because everything I've seen and heard and, and, and having spoke to him since I'm very happy with the appointment, but what does it say about the club that uh, that sort of view that I had uh, has been completely ignored, uh, quite rightly so? They're bigger people than you, James. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, knowing how they operate at the club, they, they would have done their due diligence and uh, they they wanted the best man for the, for the, for the job and I, I think they probably got it right because he's young, He's got a very, very good reputation as a coach. Um, he wasn't given a fair crack of the whip at his previous club. Um, he's, in his interviews, he certainly comes across as knowing what he wants. Uh, and also, you know, Gary Sweet said they want somebody that they, perhaps mould is the wrong word, but somebody that they can work closely with and guide uh, and and somebody that will buy into what, what the the club ethos is and, and what they want to do. And uh, right from the word go, Gary said that he, he fitted the bill. Yeah. And certainly Gary in that first press conference was very keen to emphasize the point as he had done in the, his previous comments uh, to us in the media that they'd been scouting managers and look at, looking at them for a number of years. The eventuality was that Nathan Jones was always going to go. That was obvious. There's nothing ever lasts forever. Um, and so they would have been looking at him, I think. And then in that first press conference, when uh, Edwards was announced, he was keen to point out that uh, it was very much the record at Forest Green and his um, work there obviously got them up from uh, League Two to League One in you know quite emphatic style, really, didn't he? And that's yeah. is, is that what is that what we need to look at, Dan? Um, <clears throat> what in terms of going into a nowhere nowhere league two club and making them into a half decent yeah outfit. well i mean if yeah. you look at the stats actually he's he, he did what nathan jones did in getting a team up from league two except yeah. he won the title and he won more games and he got more points per game so if you just look at you know rudimentary stats sort of like that then yeah. essentially he's he's in the jones mode but potentially better potentially yeah i mean certainly the stats would suggest suggest that as well um i mean league two might be completely different to what it was 
five or six years ago. I, I've no idea. I've not really seen very much Lee. Yeah, we don't have to bother since. with that anymore, do we? Hey. <laughs> hey, don't have to bother <laughs> that riffraff anymore. <laughs> mm. um, but I, when you were saying that, it just reminded me a little bit of the mid-2000s when a, a certain Mike Newell uh, got Hartlepool promoted from the same, from League Two. Um, I think, did he get, I can't remember if he got promoted or whether they were running away with it. But anyway, he, he ended up getting the sack and got the Luton job. So it's similar. And he was pretty young as well. Mm. Um, so I think Luton have sort of always looked around the lower echelons of the Football League for potential up and coming young managers. Um, I'll get a game with Nathan's another one. Um, Mike Newell did really good until the end of when it all stuck when the money dried up and the money that wasn't there dried up and it all went tits up. <laughs> David Pleat as well. Pleat, he, yeah. He came up through the club. But yeah, he, he, he was, um, he was uh, a coach manager. when he was offered the, the manager's job and yeah. he turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do too bad, did he? <laughs> and potentially, I, I know we started off talking about his previous job, but it was such a short spell and mm. such probably... I don't know if shock's the right word for him or anyone else in that job, but has he got something to prove, Tony? Um, I think probably he has, to be honest. He, he's, um, you know, let's put this right. He, he certainly has got a, a hard act to follow. I think he has, but, um, you know, I think that'll come out probably on April the 1st, hopefully. Uh, but... Mm. Um, Again, um, I think he, as I said earlier, he's got to be given time, you know, as long as we can keep pressure off him. But you know how fickle football fans can be. You know, yeah. we all know those supporters that the first first mistake or the first bad pass, they're yeah. on a player's back or whatever. You know, so um, if I hear anybody like that around me, I'll tell them to shut up. Well, I Give still, the guy a chance. I still hear people like, even during Nathan Jones's tenure, saying, oh, I never liked him from the start, etc. And you think, oh, have a look at his record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and same with Edwards. So give him a chance. You've got to give him a chance. You never know. Well, the thing is, Nathan Jones came to this club twice, didn't he? And, mm. and each time he stepped up to the plate and, you know, made a hell of a difference to this to this club he improved his and he has times, a, yeah. you know, a, a, a lot to do with the change of culture at the club and uh you know that rob comes from that school of coaching you know with new modern ideas and you know and and uh, you know he, he's already said about how he, he wants the the team to play not straight away because they've got to work towards it but he wants to play a high intensity attacking game well that's always been the Luton town way yeah mm. but yeah. it's a it's a unique situation isn't it because um, it's not often a manager comes in when a club's doing relatively well. Um, and probably uh, because of the injury situation, they probably could have be, they could be doing better, but not for that. And hopefully yeah. this little yeah. hiatus has cleared some of that up and that he can hit the ground running with some players and that some, weren't some previously Some of the stupid available. points we dropped earlier in the season. But the thing is, I, I, you know, he's got a good squad of players there. You know, you, you know, he won't need anybody to tell him that. And, you know, they... The team spirit at the club is second to none. You know, all the players get on well together. There's no egos, you know, and they they fight for each other on the pitch and they back each other up and that that's great to see. Because it's a unique situation, Dan, um, 
are we should we be tempering our expectations of what Luton can achieve this season or should that just carry on I've had a good think about this and I've I don't know. <laughs> Next. <laughs> it's, it's a funny one because is I that, think... How many weeks is that taking you to work out? Uh, <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> well, it, it, it's a funny one because, like, like I said earlier, it'll go one or two ways, won't it? You could either carry it on, you know, could we go one step better? I, th- I think in the back of our minds, a lot of our minds are still the playoffs from last year, you know, where just nearly, if we had a fit of Lausia at a Bayo, could have got to Wembley at least I'd say um, this year you know we're, we're sitting in 11th we're still in a really good position I'm not expecting too much more um, I think we can still be in the playoffs because of the squad with players we've got you know we, we had a brilliant squad last year and he's only gone and improved it this year mm. it's, it's been improved this year um, and there's still a lot of backroom staff that were here last year still a lot of players here from last year and you know the league's getting more competitive and stuff, but I, I, th- I think the way we we play and the way you know, the players we've got, how they work together and stuff, I think it can push us on to the next level. And you know, you just need someone to sort of just drive it really, and that's that's what Edwards is there for. Yeah, I, 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 you know, to be honest, I think he's joining the club at a good time. You know, he's had a few weeks, almost like a mini pre-season, to get to know the players. Um, you know, then then we've got a few weeks, and then. The January transfer window opens, so he's got an opportunity there if he yeah. feels he needs to improve the squad. Although, um, t- two things on that um, from the January transfer window. Gary Sweet in that press conference did sort of suggest there's not going to be too much business done in the January transfer window, um, so maybe people shouldn't get their hopes up for that too much, which is fairly understandable. But on the point about expectation... Mm. Progress has been the mantra, isn't it, for a couple yeah. of seasons now. In that press conference, Gary Sweet did s- suggest, well, progress doesn't always have to be on the pitch. So perhaps sort of giving a suggestion that if it doesn't go the way they planned in terms of getting into the playoffs and finishing higher than they've done before, which is that's the progress that they've been marked on so far, the stuff that they're doing off the pitch can also count to that. So yeah. it's does that come into the equation when you consider what Luton could achieve at the end of the season? Mm, yeah, I do because, you know, you can see over the past three seasons, the progress of the club have made in, um, you know, they're, they're, they're off the pitch. They're becoming more professional. Um, they're getting things right. They're working uh, towards, uh, you know, um, level two with the academy. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it is slowly going the right way. Um, so sometimes, yeah, I, 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 th- I think Gary's right there. Sometimes you've got to stop and think, okay, we hold our own or tread water on the football inside of it, which I think most of us would be happy with. Um, and on, on, off the pitch that we're, we're, we're getting there. I mean, there's so much going on at the club at the moment, you know, and, yeah, you know, I mean, I know we're not the only ones in the situation with the break for the World Cup, um, but you know, there's the the new ground working towards um, dome at the academy, increased academy status, and everything. So, yeah, it's right. We are definitely making strides, you know, and it it it's nice now when you think about it that we're generally 
selling players that we want to sell. Yeah. You know, um, that used to be one of the things that was so frustrating when we were like League 2 or League 1. You know, you have a decent player and then the next thing you've got the vultures circling. And that doesn't seem to happen too much now. Mm. You know, um, James Justin and Jack Stacey went when the time was right. Yeah. You know, so I, that I think is good progress and it looks like we could be turning into one of them vultures. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we always have been in terms of if you're a lower league, like yeah, Hinkley yeah. or something. But that's you know. how football works. But exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you, you, you want to see progress in the club. You know, when, when you support any football club, you want to see things being done off the field as well. You want to see them toilets fixed. Yeah. Things, little things, you know. Um, ultimately, yeah, you want results for progress. You want, you want to see yourself finish higher up the table. And under Nathan Jones, yeah, we did improve year on year. He's, I remember him saying in his first interview, he said, this club's going to take baby steps, but we're taking quickly. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the best mantras to have if, if you're at a football club, because you, you, it's always about progress, you know, and on the field, yeah, it's paramount. It's probably the most important thing, but it's just a little bit behind there is, is the progress you make off the field. You know, we've got the brace now, whereas we had Ely way before that, um, it was just a couple of football pitches and a, a, um, Port a cabin for changing rooms and mm. you know players getting changed in the cars in the car park. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit more you know exclusive now that we've we've got better facilities off the field. Kenilworth Road still a million years behind, but you know we've been very patient <laughs> um, in terms of getting power caught off the ground. And but the, you can tell there's progress there as well. I mean they, they keep saying. You know, there's going to be an announcement soon and whatnot. And it, 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 I, th- I think, with like with Gary said when Nathan was on his way, he said, "Look, trust the process." And sometimes Luton fans have got to take a step back and just have a think before they start sounding off. Mm. Because you, you look at other football clubs like Coventry getting evicted this week. Um, have a look at their owners and compare them to ours. You yeah, know, they, they, yeah. They, we're making progress all the time off the field as well. So. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think we're in agreement that um, the club is in good health and Rob Edwards is coming into a squad that is um, promising and probably has some more to give um, this season, certainly. Um, Tony, as a as a fan, where where do you think he can focus his attentions? Where, where would you like him to try and make those improvements? Um, looking... Over the course of the season, I, I, I think defensively we're okay. Um, we certainly need to up our goal scoring rate. You know, we need to start converting more of those chances that we create. So he needs to work on that. And I think um, he needs to work on, you know, defensive midfielder as well. Because, you know, when we haven't got Lansbury or, or Pelly, we're very lacking there. So, uh, and I, I would have thought that Rob would have identified that and be working on that. And, and Dan, obviously, um, the, the current squad is looking good. But what would you you be looking to towards any sort of changes or any hope that players that perhaps haven't featured so much might get a, a bigger uh, chance under Edwards? Um, I think one thing that's frustrated me a little bit when I've been at games is how crap we are at set pieces. 
you know, we, we can't seem to convert them. Whereas I remember years ago, you know, we, we that was one of our, you know, full points. You know, we used to play for free kicks, whack, whack one in and, you know, get a goal there or from corners, you know, we'd stick Ian Roper in the 18 yard box and it was always going on his head. So, you know, we, we don't really have that presence in the, in the opposition's box from corners and free kicks, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, in terms of personnel, I've, one thing, and I, I did mention this to Kev earlier, we were talking a little bit, and I said about um, development squad and youth players, I'd like to see some of them get pushed through. I mean, and not necessarily just push through for the sakes of pushing them through, because we've got a big squad. Um, but I've been to a few development games, and I, I, I seriously think there's a couple of players in there that, you know, given the right powerful just given a chance here and there you know we've seen a couple of them feature on the bench and not necessarily come on but giving boys a chance you know well, there was certainly a, a photo in the last week that got the twitterverse uh oh, buzzing, it, didn't they when, casey Petit. casey Petit yeah. and and, and mm. edwards in mm. a photo which uh, i mean draw your own conclusions but yeah i think um you know his his background in england coaching and and uh also his assistants, uh, who we should come on to as well, but Richie Kyle, uh, one of his two assistant managers, who uh, yeah. they announced um, after after Edwards was announced, uh, the second one being Paul Trollope, who mm-hmm. is a former Bristol Rovers and Cardiff City manager, and uh, they were uh, Wales teammates uh, when they were in their play. Um, there's there's some sort of there's some positivity I think there on that front isn't there the the youth team bringing there's a lot through. of experience there as well yeah yeah I was just going to say that as well I mean Trollope's been around a little little while now on the managerial slash coaching scene and as you mentioned about Richie Kyle and Edward's been involved in the England setups as well um, I have to say I keep, build connections that way I I have to niche but I, I keep calling Richie Kyle Richie Edwards um, <laughs> and that's one for any um, early Manic, Manic Street, Street Preachers, Preachers fan out there but I'm going to have to stop doing that but um, yeah. uh, but his, his appointment um, was almost to be expected I think because he's been with um, Edwards at Watford and Forest Green Rovers yeah. uh, he's, not, he's not worked with Trollope before but it does seem like a a good mix of uh, new fresh ideas and, and um, an old coach mm. an old head that's that's been there around the block and particularly in the championship as well so that's going to help yeah um well that's what the boys think um kev did catch up with rob edwards earlier today and this is what they had to talk about i'm joined by a very very special guest uh, i've got the town's new manager rob edwards alongside me rob thanks for giving me some of your time this afternoon thanks kev my pleasure uh, first of all, uh, on behalf of Luton Town fans, welcome to, well, a stable, well-run club rather than the basket <laughs> case you was at last time. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, you've been with the, with the squad, give or take, a couple of weeks now. Uh, how, how, how have you settled in? How have they settled in with you? Yeah, hopefully. I, I think really well, Kev. Um, the, there's a really good group here. The players have... Um, of, of, look, they can be themselves around us, and all we've, what we've asked them to do is carry on being brilliant at what they're really, really good at. Keep doing that. Keep the environment right. They work really hard. Keep having a laugh when you come in. Have a smile on your face. Uh, they've done all those things, and they've given us absolutely everything every day. They really have, which I know they would have done for for Nathan before, and um, that's what that's what happens at this club. And um, I can't speak uh, any more highly of of any of them. Of, um, been really impressed with the first couple of weeks, mate. Yeah, 
Is it a weird position for you, Rob? Because usually when a manager comes into a club halfway through a season, the previous one stunk the place out and has been sacked. Whereas that's not the case here, is it? We're, we're, we're going really, really well to the extent that the previous managers got the opportunity that he deserved. And you've kind of picked up a, a really good position. Yeah, it is different. It doesn't happen often, you're right. Um, I would say there's probably similarities um, to, to when we took over at Forest Green. Um, I know that wasn't partway through the season, but it's similar in that Forest Green finished in the playoffs. It didn't need, you know, things ripping up and starting again. And, and, and similar now, you know, we find ourselves close to the close to the playoffs in, in a good position in the league, you know, almost halfway through the season. Nathan's, you know, really good work along with Chris and with Alan has been recognised and all of, and I keep saying and everyone because it's obviously a team effort that's been recognised. They've moved on to the Premier League and, and, and obviously, yeah, we're picking up not the pieces. We're picking up a really stable, steady, well-run, well-organised ship that, that has a lot of good players here and, and people that are in good form. So it's not a case of having to rip things up and start again at all. It's about trying to keep doing the things really well that are done really well and then we'll try and evolve and try and keep improving and building as we go. Like Nathan would have wanted to if he'd have stayed here. Do you know what I mean? You're always trying to to build and improve. So you're right. It is different to most most um, opportunities when you do come in partway through the season. You're, you're probably looking at getting a quick fix or trying to like you know make fast changes to get results quickly. Of course, we want to try and continue to get results quickly. Um, but you know the players are uh, are already in a good place. You have to say, if I'm honest, I wasn't ready for the Nathan sort of journey with us to end. But now that it has done and everything stopped for three or four weeks, I think as Luton fans, we're really, really excited at the next chapter that you're going to lead us into. And um, and I'm really interested to see the sort of the changes that can happen, whether they're natural changes or the changes that you yourself implement. Because I'm guessing you're not Nathan, you're a different person. So you've got a different style perhaps to to the, the kind of, the kind of way that we played under Nathan, would that be an immediate change or is that something that gradually happens? No, I think I think the second bit, I think it'd be something that gradually happens. I think there'll inevitably be changes because you're right, I'm not Nathan, I am different. Said that to the lads on day one, you know, um, we're, we're different people, so we're going to have different ideas, but but at the same time, I can recognise a lot of the good work that, that the lads do and that's already been implemented here. So it'd be stupid of me to come in and go, well, we're not having that now. We're going to do something completely different. So I've got to be, um, we've, we've got to be cute. We've got to be clever. We've got to keep doing the stuff that, that we are very good at, which is <clears throat> uh, real high intensity, aggressive football. We're, we're, we're really, we're extremely hard working. Um, we're difficult to play against. Um, we defend um, the box really, really well. We've got to keep those basics going well. We want to try and, and and we have created good chances. We want to try and score more goals. We want to be a little bit more aggressive and on the front foot at that top end of the pitch as well. But that's something I think that does take time. It's not going to be done in two weeks and, and all of a sudden, you know, um, there's huge changes, Kev. So, of course, we want to try and make tweaks. We do want to evolve. We want to build. But like I said, Nathan would have wanted that as well. I'm sure, you, you know, you, you keep looking to try and improve. He found it a, a brilliant way of getting results got the club into a fantastic position last season and and he's still in one right now so we've got to we've got to like i keep saying it we keep that stuff going but of course i want to try and evolve it to to reflect our ideas as well um but but that's something that happens over time i think you know we've 
the players, uh, are, you know, they're um, you can't ask them to do things they're not comfortable doing or they they, they can't do. So we're going to continue to be sort of we'll be pragmatic. But I am going to demand, and we are going to demand, you know, more um, because I think that's the only way, the only thing that you can do. You keep asking for more on a daily basis, and and what we'll do is we'll try and, you know, we'll they are human beings. We know they're going to make mistakes. We all will make mistakes, and um, but we'll support them when they do, and um, and we just want people to react the right way when they do when they do make mistakes, and um, and then we want them. But when the lads know that we're going to support them and we're with them and we're, we're, we're behind them, we can really demand and push and challenge people to get better as well. Because I think the lads will be motivated when they feel like they're improving and they've gone on a brilliant journey over the last few years. We want to keep that going. We don't want that to stop. That's got to keep going. So the Rob Edwards style then, I mean, everyone's pigeonholed these days in football, aren't they? You know, I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, I saw a press conference with Louis van Gaal in the World Cup just before the weekend and one of the Dutch journalists said to him you play negative football Louis and he said no we play winning football so you know everything could be taken sort of different ways what is the Rob Edwards style let's say in sort of 18 months time if you've got your blueprint right on this side how how would a Rob Edwards team play we want to be attractive uh, and uh, exciting to watch you know that's first of all what we want we want the we want the supporters who are the most important people at any football club to come and enjoy watching their team play and be proud to watch their team play. So we've got to be extremely hard working. We want to be aggressive and on the front foot. Um, but we want to be exciting. We want to, we want to, I want to play a fast attacking game if we can. That's what I want us to be able to do. Um, I, I don't think, you know, that the sort of, you, you've got to be really careful. I think cert, like certain teams and the best teams in the world can control games completely and dominate for large, large periods, of 90 plus minutes. And um, and uh, I, I think that's very rare other than the top few teams in the, in, the, in the world, really. So I want us to be good in transition. I want us to attack fast, but I want us to try and sustain attacks as well. I don't want it to be a game of basketball. So, I want us to get really good at hopefully attacking quickly at speed, but then also reacting to stop any kind of counter-attack and trying to keep the ball as far away from our goal as possible. Um, there's got to be a big element of realism in our game as well. It can't be like, you know, I don't want people to think, you know, he's a younger coach and he's have these kinds of ideas. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and go total football and build up and it's a slower game. I, I don't mean that's what the fans want. I think that they, they want it. They want an attacking, aggressive um, front foot style of play and that's what I want and um, I want my team to excite me as well and I want the lads to be brave I want them to take risks and all the while recognising that we are like I said before we're going to make mistakes because that happens um, so we've got to be good at really reacting and helping our mate out if someone makes a mistake don't moan about it I don't want to see negative body language I want to just go and go and try and win the ball back as quickly as possible and let's go and attack again that's what I want. And, and so far, I think the lads have really bought into some of those little tweaks that we, that, that we want to try and make. Um, because like I said, we've got such an honest group that are willing to, to really listen and take on board messages from anyone, whoever would have come in, um, because they're such, they're such good lads. But as I say, it's about keeping, keeping that real identity of what we're about already and that grit, that fight, that determination, that steeliness that we've got. 
and then we want to treat, we want to we want to continue to build and add on that um, that aggressive attacking fast football as well if we can. Will that come about with the change of formation, or are you you know do you have one formation and then you'll sign players that fit into that formation, or do you do you, do you inherit a squad and, and see its strengths and weaknesses and play a formation based on that? We've also we've obviously inherited the group at the moment, so you do need to play to the players' strengths. I think that's what we have to do. I think a formation can be can be anything you want to make it. You know, when you have the ball, it can be one thing because obviously the animation of it is is something different. And then when you haven't got it, you'll be some you can be something else. So we've got to try and play to the players' strengths. You know, what we what we go with against Middlesbrough on the weekend, it might be different in six weeks' time, but the principles of what we're trying to do will be the same. So not, we're not going to confuse the players or try and do too much or complicate things. But I'm not saying that the shape's always going to stay the same. You know, we, at Forest Green, we were able to keep the same shape, the same style, really, because we kept everyone fit and it suited what, what we were and it allowed us to play the best players every week, week in, week out. Uh, down the road, the first few games that we had, we had to make a few changes because transfer windows, people were in and out. We had a few injuries and things changed. So we, we tweaked, tweaked the shape a little bit, but the principle stayed the same. Um, so I wouldn't rule out shape changes. It's not something that I want to consistently do all the time because I do want clarity and a clear message for the players because I think the players need to be really clear when they go over that white line. They've got enough to worry about with you know like everything else that's going on. So you want them to be clear. Um, but it's got to suit the players. We want to try and put round pegs in round holes. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, I think if there was a kind of, not a criticism of Nathan, because that would be wrong, but, you know, um, flaw, maybe even that's a strong word. It was that if we went behind in a game, for example, particularly away from home, particularly in the Championship, and I understand that this is a difficult um, division, very, very rarely did we turn the game round in our favour I think it only happened twice in the three years that we've been in the championship and they were both when there were no crowds in Covid season so is it important in a game to be flexible yeah I think that's a very good shout and by the way I'm not going to comment at all about what's happened before previously um, but clearly you know we know how important the first goal is in football we know you're not going to get the first goal all the time and then you've got to be good at then staying resilient dealing with anything that goes against you and then trying to turn it around gradually and change things so I do think we I do think we have the the the, the squad the balance in the squad and the the personnel to be able to make changes um, to to tweak the shape to be more aggressive or to or on the other flip side to be able to see things out more and be a little bit more if we have to go a little bit more defensive. Um, so I do think we have to be good at seeing the game, reading the game, what's required at the right moment. Um, and I, and and I do think obviously then us from the touchline that's when we can have our effect because it's you know the players are obviously the ones that got to do it but we've got to try and see that where the spaces might be any weaknesses the opposition have got I know we might have behind us here that might be able to help us um, if we do need to make some changes so I think it's a very valid point it'd be something that we'll be keen to do you know we do want to try and have an effect to help the boys as much as possible but I'll, be, I'll go back to that original point that I said in the last question as well that. What we don't want to do, Kevin, is overcomplicate things as well, and and sort of then all of a sudden you've got players turn around. And go, what, what the hell's going on? What's going on as well? So there, a lot of that work can be done on the training ground. We haven't got to, um, you know, we haven't been able to within sort of you know 10, 11 sessions been able to cover everything, you know, because there's obviously work you can do on when you know if you go down to ten or if the opposition go down to ten or whatever it might be as well. There's lots of things that we need to do and focus on. Um, but yeah, obviously changing the game is something that 
um, will be also will be down to us as much as the players, and that's seeing um, seeing what's required at that that moment in time. But what I will say is, we, like I said, we've got a, a really balanced group and lots of different options. People that give us different strengths and characteristics. You think you know well, he might be able to play there and and open up that you know really. Um, really open up that sort of space and it might give him a little bit more time. And um, the big thing that we want to do is, uh, is, is really go for every game, whether we're home or away and try and go for the win. So, so, you know, if we are, um, if we are down in a game, we will, you know, I can promise that we're going to try and go for it and try and turn things around. When you've got the sort of the end result, so to speak, let's say the eighteen months down the line, do you communicate that to the players now so that they can get into that kind of mindset of that's where we need to strive to be in eighteen months, or do you do you literally just go on a day by day basis? I mean, would the players know now what you were expecting of them when you fully implemented everything that you that you want to do? If, I, if I'm being honest, I, you know, I do feel that we're going to get that time. I do feel that now, but I don't think you can look that far ahead right now. I think I can have in the back of my mind a, an ideal way of where I want us to get to. But we also have to think on a day, you know, the next day's training session, the next day's training session, Middlesbrough, do you know what I mean? And get and, and get there because we've got to get some of our key principles ingrained in us and, and making sure we're living by those things. So, you know, um, Winning the ball back as quickly as possible, you know. If if you know if we lose it and they get through like sprint recovery and that, these things are things that we do do well, but we want to really sort of nail stuff down. And uh, it does it is building blocks. We can have in the back of our minds where we want to get to, and I can have that. But like you said, that takes some time. That'll be there's transfer windows and all that sort of stuff that's that's going to happen in you know in the in the in that eighteen month period. You know, we're working with this group of players now and that's all my focus is on at the moment. It's just on tomorrow's training session and, uh, you know, preparing for, for Middlesbrough. Bit of a boring answer that for you really, wasn't it? But that's, that's all I can do. I'm just grateful that you're talking about 18 months time because the way you've just been 18 hours is a long time, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, it, felt, yeah, it felt like 18 years, that 10, that 10 games. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've had a friendly behind closed doors at the weekend. But my sources tell me you drew one-one. Was that a just get players back into the rhythm of playing football kind of friendly, or was that a a friendly to see if the first week or so's training that you did has kind of made sense and got through to the players, sort of friendly? Yeah, it's all of that. It was it was uh, physical, so we you need a you need a game before going back starting the season up again. Um, so the physical hit was really important, but also the you know from a technical and a tactical point of view as well. We want to try and continue to keep getting those messages across. So um, it was it's all of those things really. It's a, a build up of the week's work that we'd had while we were away, um, and also uh, yeah, you're right, the physical side as well, which is really important because if you if you just sort of sudden just train then just go bang off you go in at Middlesbrough you know away at Middlesbrough you're probably risking a number of players fitness then as well so um tactical stuff and and physical really really important for for, for that friendly this might be an unfair question so forgive me for asking it but expectations whilst you're here um are they short medium and long-term expectations and can you let us in on them I think what we've got to try and do is we want to keep progressing the football club, don't we? We want to try and keep building and moving forwards. Such high standards have already been set here. 
And that's due to the quality of Nathan and his staff, the players, everyone connected to the club because there is a plan and we sort of hold my hand up here now because obviously from the board and everyone, there's a real clear plan and a way of working where everyone's on the same track. So we want to try and keep moving forward. And that is obviously, you know, we're aiming for the stars there as well because, um, you know, we, we what we don't want to do now is sort of, I don't want to, dampen expectations or and I don't want to accept that we're going to just no, we're, we're, we're all right you know and we're comfortable where we are I want us to aim high I think we need to the players certainly want to they want to keep moving forwards um, but I do think there's obviously got to be a realism to where we're at as well and, um, and a recognition of how well everyone has done so and I, and I think everyone does get that I think I think the supporters understand that as well, and I think everyone knows how challenging and demanding the championship is, and how um, there's probably let's be honest, 15 clubs that that would all say well, we've got a realistic chance of being making the playoffs. Uh, it's really competitive, but over this next period, 18 months and beyond, of course, we want it, we really want to be competitive and continue to be competitive at that top end. You know. And that and that and that's what I expect. That's where I expect this to be. And then who knows? You know, who knows? I'm not going to sit here and say to you, I expect us to get promoted in the next year, the next two years. But I expect this to be challenging at the right end because of what's been built and what's in place right now and the group of players that we're working with. So I guess natural progression, obviously we made the playoffs last season. We're a point away from the playoffs as you take over now, is that natural progression just that top six again? You know, that's our that's our aim now for the rest I think of the season. Has, I, think, I, think ha- I think it has to be, doesn't it? I think, we, you know, we can see how many, what are we, in 11th place or something, but one point off. So we, it, it's really tight, isn't it? It's really tight. But the guys, everyone's put us in the mix and then it's up to us to try and um, to keep competing and, and, and be there come the last couple of games of the season. And uh, I'm, I'm really confident in this group. They give us, they give me a real belief every day when we're out on that training pitch, not just how hard they try, but their quality and also their spirit, how they fight for each other uh, and how close they are together and how uh, tight they are as a unit. So they give me a lot of confidence. They should give all of us a lot of confidence. I think even in the next 25 games, we've all got to realise there's going to be some good times and there's going to be a few tough times as well. That's what the championship is. It's ups and it's downs. But we've got to try and remain calm, level, uh, consistent as much as possible in our performances, uh, which which the lads have done so far. Continue doing that, and um, yeah, why 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 not? Why can't we be in that shake up again? You know, again for a second year running. I'll allow you to give me a boring answer for this one because, to be fair, you've not given me too many so far, which I'm really appreciative for. Do you set points targets uh, for the players to achieve, or is it literally the next game? It is It is the next game, but I do think we've been talking about this and I think it might be something that we can work in blocks rather than an overall points target for 25 games. I think it'd be good to be able to work in blocks of, of you know five and uh, and look at it and break it down that way. So it's something that we're going to discuss, something that the club, the lads have done before. Um, and then you can talk. It's all well and good just going, right, that's our target. But then you've got to break that down and go, OK, well, how are we going to achieve that? Because you can just... It's like anything. We all want to win, but you can't just turn up and win. There's a process to it, you know, our week of training and, and, and the things that we're all going to try and commit to, to try and do. 
will hopefully get us over the line and get that three points. It's not just as simple as turn up and win. And, you know, it's the one thing I can't promise anyone that we're going to do. We're going to try our best to. We're going to be really organised. We're going to work very hard. We can never guarantee three points on a Saturday or a Tuesday or a Sunday, unfortunately. So um, we can have a target, but then it's really important. Then we think about right, how are we going to commit to, to trying to get that win? And um, and then you always bring it back to what 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 did we say we were going to do? And then and, and bring you you know when you're reviewing, bring it back to that rather than well we lost that's rubbish or oh we won well done on to the next one. I think it's important then you keep reviewing it and referring back to the you know the key things that that got us to win or or didn't. Yeah, it'd be an awful lot easier if the opposition just rolled over and gave us the three points. It'd be, be great. It'd be great if we could if we could do that. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> Um, there's a World Cup going on at the moment, which I'm sure you're fully aware of. Uh, first of all, have our two players come back okay? Yeah, so Locks has been back in training uh, for the last couple of days and um, has, has come back into the group, as you would expect, like he's like he's not been away. Um, Ethan will meet back up with us. We're going to be off tomorrow, so Ethan will meet back up with us on Thursday. He obviously went a little bit further in the, into the competition with, um, with the USA, didn't he? So... Um, we're looking forward to seeing him on Thursday. You didn't say that with gritted teeth too much, considering that it was at the expense of <laughs> no. what it was either. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I was pleased for him. I'd given him a couple of texts and said, "Well done." They, um, you know, they'd equipped themselves really well and they, in the competition. I think they showed people that they were a really good team. As a manager, do you look at the World Cup from a sort of scouting point of view? I mean, as a formations, tactics, that kind of thing, rather than a, necessarily a player thing? Because, I mean, obviously, we'd all love to sign Jude Bellingham, but I don't think it's realistic, is it? <laughs> He's doing well, isn't he? Um, yeah, you do. You watch the games. I think the difference with this World Cup, I, mean, I, might be, I might be wrong when you really look back and review it, and people that are, I suppose, working in international football can really spend the time to, to look at it and look at any trends or new things that are going on. I don't think that as much... Um, new stuff if you like innovation has been able to to happen because of the, the turnaround is midway through a season so you you know club not clubs the managers that you know have not really been out they've not had the time to work on different things so i think it's more a case of that spirit that togetherness and and continuing the work that they've all been doing in terms of qualifying and get or nations league or whatever it might be and getting here so there's maybe a little bit less innovation in this tournament than, than there would have been in previous previous years. I might be wrong in that when, when people reflect and look at it, but um, I've not seen too much sort of wacky and wonderful or, or anything that you've gone, wow, do you know what I mean? But I've seen good teams and well-organised teams and we've all seen good goals. And uh, But, but you know, uh, not, not too many different things. Which teams have impressed you most? Well, I did. Like, we talk about the US then. I thought the US against England were really, really well coached. I thought they looked really, really well drilled, with good individuals, very athletic. Um, but then it's, it is this is another boring answer. It's the same. It's the same old ones. Then it, you know, Brazil last night were clearly unbelievable in that first half. Um, I do think they were they were helped out a little bit, you know, with a you know a strange sort of strange tactics against them, but. They were they were clinical and scored some great goals. I think um, because of the individual quality, France are obviously a, a huge threat, and it's going to be really interesting on the weekend uh, to see what happens. 
Argentina seemed to be growing into it. Spain's sort of possession-based game, as they always play, you know, is it can be a real huge, huge strength, which it normally is. But you know, when I watched them against, was it was it Japan that beat them? I think it was, yep. wasn't it? Uh, you know, I was intrigued by that game. Japan were really well organised, but because Spain didn't really test or look in behind or threaten that sort of last line so much, Japan could be really high, but really compact and not allow Spain anywhere to go and really played into Japan's hands. But I thought that was a really interesting game to watch. So there's been, yeah, there's been, um, been some really good games, hasn't there? And especially the last round of the group games when there's a bit more jeopardy on it, there's a, there's, it's a bit more excitement and, you know, um, there's teams maybe go for it a bit more rather than, Teams probably in the first couple of games afraid to lose. Um, but it has been interesting to watch. Uh, but yeah, we get to the last stages now. Brazil, France, obviously England are in the mix. I think whoever wins that game, you know, stands a, a great chance. So um, yeah, exciting. it's really, really exciting. And let's hope it's England. From an Englishman's point yeah. of view. Yeah, obviously. no, I, I do, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's bring it back to this weekend then Middlesbrough are they harder to well first of all do you look too much at the opposition and secondly are they harder to scout because Michael Carrick hasn't been there a great deal longer than what you've been with us um, he's had an impact though straight away so we have been able to watch the games that since he's been in he's done a really really good job has changed the way that they um, they are playing um, but clever changes and subtle changes um, so I, I like what they've done. We do, we do obviously look at the opposition. We as a staff will look a lot at them, and then we'll try and then feed back the the, the important stuff to the to the players. Because again, we don't want to over overcloud them um, with with information. So we'll look at a lot, and then try and streamline it and um, and then form a game plan, you know, with the players really. So. Um, I don't think it's difficult to look at. I think we've got a good idea of what's coming against us because of how they've been in the last um, the last few games. Uh, we know it's going to look, you know, going up, going up there is always a difficult game anyway. But now they're on a, you know, Michael coming in and doing well, and they're on a good run, it makes it even more difficult. But I think it's a fantastic game for us as well. To you know, fantastic first game going into um, to go into for us and. Um, a really, a really good challenge, one that we should look forward to and um, and hopefully brings out the best in us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, uh, I must admit, not just because of the challenge and everything else, but also because it's going to be so good to be back at a game of football for the first time yeah. in four weeks. Uh, that, that applies to all of us fans. You've obviously heard about Luton fans. You've played in front of us for opposition clubs. You've um, obviously you've managed, you know, down the road. You'll know all about our fan base. What can we provide in terms of assistance to you guys between now and the end of the season? I think continue to do what you do. I mean, you, you back. All I, I can I can never ask you to back me and, and and whatever. It's the lads, the lads that need it. You know, what I mean, they're the ones that need the backing. And I know it's a two-way street. I know there'll be times where we've I include this in me and the lads. We've got to get you guys going, and I, I get that at times. Um, but get behind, get behind the lads, and give give them everything. And I, I can promise them that this group of players will give give the supporters everything they've got. And I think you know that because you've seen it now over a good number of years. And that's what they do, don't they? Um, except that we will. When I and I'll go on about this a lot. That we there'll be mistakes. There'll be, you know. Uh, 
there'll be games where we're not at our best, but hopefully you see a work ethic, a desire, people giving everything for the club, for the badge. And then you can you can still get behind the lads when they do that. You can accept mistakes when you can see that someone's giving absolutely everything. So just get behind the boys, as you always do. Be really be really loud, be intimidating at home. Let's let's really make let's get the home form going. Do you know what I mean? Especially at the home games, let's get that going. And for the for the amazing fans that are able to travel and they're able to come, yeah, just continue to continue to get behind the lads and, and we can promise that that we'll give everything to to try and make them proud to 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 come and watch the games. Yeah, I mean as a fan base we'll We'll be right behind the, the team as we always are. I mean, I think you got unveiled at Kenilworth Road, didn't you? I think you went out onto the pitch. You saw that ginormous flag that's at the back of the stand about yeah. how how history kind of uh, modelled us. But we very much look forward to the future, and we're looking forward to everything um, that comes under you. Just a couple more questions, very quickly before I finish. First of all, I haven't got my twenty twenty three calendar yet, but when I do, April the first is going to get circled. Is it a game that you're already looking forward to? It, it is. I'm well aware of it. Um, but I know how big that game is to the supporters anyway. And, you know, I can't make it anymore. I can't, certainly not going to make it about Richie and, and I and, and, and obviously what happened to us. It's just a big game because it's a big game for the football club. Um, local pride. I know how much dark, you know, I'm born and raised, sort of, you know, British and, and we know how important derbies are to... Um, to, to us in our in our football pyramid, so forget the sort of link that that we've had in the in the past. I know how important that game is to our supporters and and the lads here know as well, especially after the last game, how important that game is as well. So yeah, it, it, of course it's a big one. There's no hiding away from that. But let but we know there's a lot of games and a lot of points to play for before. Um, so I don't want to you know people taking their eye off the ball, you know before um, before we need to. But I, I, I am fully aware of how big that game is. Wonderful. And that is good to hear. Very good to hear. And finally, I understand you've got a landmark birthday coming off. If Wikipedia is true anyway, on Christmas Day. Therefore, mm. was you involved in the decision to make Boxing Day a 7.45 kickoff so that you could have a few extra beers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a little word with the uh, Football League there to, to try and help me out. Uh, yeah, 40, the big 4-0. I can't believe it. I don't like talking that to him. I'm not dealing with it very well. (laughs) You're actually the first Luton manager. And I've only just got used to the players being younger than me, but you're the first Luton manager who's actually younger than me as well. And I'm not not ready for that whatsoever. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just look at me in six months' time. I won't look look any. I'll look older. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rob, uh, as I said right at the start, wish you well at Luton Town really glad that you're here thank you have a fantastic birthday on Christmas Day and everything that goes with that a good Christmas a happy new year and and everything else and we are so looking forward to the journey that you're about to take us on so I wish you all the very best and uh, just deliver some fantastic work for us we know you will do we'll try we'll certainly try our best it won't go um, it won't go without trying and we really appreciate um, you know having the time now and and we we do and I'll I'll emphasise this now we do want to make everyone really proud to watch this team so we'll give everything for you thank you mate thanks Rob and thanks for giving us some of your time really really appreciate that pleasure thanks Kev so that was a good insightful chat there from Kev with the new manager of Luton Town Rob Edwards Um, he spoke there a couple of times 
particularly right at the end about making Luton fans proud, Tony. What will that look like for you under his tenure? Fast, exciting, intensive football. Um, steady progress up the league. And uh, consistently um, getting into the playoffs, at the very least be in and around them. Ultimately, with a view to uh, getting the final and potentially getting promotion. I mean, he's been given a three and a half year deal, so there's a lot of faith in that trajectory, I suppose. But Dan, for you, what what would uh, Rob Edwards' tenure and making you proud? What would that be? But more or less, what Tony said. Really, if we can just go to that next level, I mean, I'd take finishing seventeenth in the Premier League. That's, that that would make me proud. <laughs> because you know not only would we have defied the odds and Pep having to walk down that narrow corridor at the Kenilworth Road out onto the pitch and get faced by people lumping pies and programmes at him you know real proper football in, <laughs> in the big in the big money league it'd be great know. to see Manchester City there wouldn't oh, it oh can you imagine Erling Haaland will have to literally crawl down that corridor because it, it it narrows as you go down doesn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no I mean yeah, so, so stuff like that, really. You know, you can, you can imagine it. Grealish coming on, you're just a shit Harry Cornick. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him getting shit last time we played Villa. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. So yeah, just just progress, really. Like like I said earlier about making progress off and on the field. You know, mm. if, if Edwards is at the the um, forepoint of that of, of the playing side of things in terms of progress, then. I'd, I'd be proud, you know, if, if if we get to the Premier League, it'll be massive, massive. Well, yep, indeed. Um, I think that's obviously the, the end the, goal, the isn't goal. it? And that's what everyone wants. Um, and hopefully we're no further away from it at this point now that Rob Edwards has taken over. So, I mean, the talking will be over in a couple of days and the matches will begin and we'll see what the Rob Edwards era starts with and begins with. Um we're going to finish part one with a look back on the matches that have been played since we last spoke to you on the podcast. I get the impression that uh, it's been such a long time. We we should call this like the ghost of Christmas past section or something, because uh, what we can remember about this may be an achievement in itself, but we'll, we'll start with the first game um, since our last podcast. So that was uh, the Sunderland draw one, uh, one back at, at the back end of October, this is how long we're talking about yeah. now because mm. of this World Cup break, uh, where a Carlton Morris goal was cancelled out by a, a late Elliot Embleton equaliser. Um, yeah, it's one of those sickeners, really, isn't it? But what, yeah. what did you make of that game, Tony? Disappointing more than anything. I think um, the side underneath, and what tended to happen, I think, was they go 1 0 up and sit back and try and defend it instead of pushing forward to, to get more goals and ultimately we paid the, the price. Mm. Um, another case of two points dropped, you know, and I, I I don't think there's too much else we can say about that game, to be honest with you, James. I suppose, I mean, going back to the, the point we were talking in the section about Rob Edwards, one thing that can improve is the home form, or the home, yeah. home results, at least, anyway. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, 
Next up after that was a nil-nil ball draw with the Fun Vampires, aka Reading. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't think there's much uh, value in going over that, is there? No, um, no I missed that. Really didn't anyway. particularly enjoy it in the first place. But I think I slept through that. Yeah, you, uh, you and me both, Tony, and uh, ten thousand other people in the. Poor souls. Um, that was followed by a bonfire night, one-nil victory at Blackpool. And arguably, I'd say the game that probably convinced Rob Page to take Tom Lockyer to the World Cup and sit on the bench as he watched his countrymen oh, gift goals to yeah. all and sundry. Um, Luke so, Berry scored the Luton goal that one, but uh, was that the tail of the tape, Dan? Um, well, you, you just mentioned the two highlights that <laughs> I know from that game, from watching YouTube earlier to remind myself. <laughs> um the thing that came out, out of that for me was Tom Lockie's interview afterwards when he said, yeah, I just chucked myself in front of everything. Jordan Clark kicked me. Kick me harder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you, you, as a supporter, that's, that's, that's massive for a supporter, I think, to hear a player sort of willing to put his body on the line for the sake of three points, you know, to get kicked mm. in the head for to win a game. You know, win at all costs. and It was a really good defensive performance, wasn't it? Mm. And, you know, a typical smash and grab. Yeah. And I, I, I actually thought Blackpool flattered to deceive in that game. Yeah, I didn't yeah. go, but yeah. I, I know from yeah. the highlights and I read up and, and what I saw, you know, it, it really was a, a Diggy Hills in job and you, you're always going to get that at this level, you know, at times, you know, it's not always going to be pretty fancy football. So it's a, it's a stern reminder that, Things aren't going to be plain sailing, but ultimately the result matters. But it, it, it was also great to see Luke Berry score. He has a yeah. habit of popping up with these goals, doesn't he? And, yeah. and it, it was a cracking goal. He's, he, he's definitely got that knack of being in the right place at the right time. Mm. You know, he's got a knife for goal, and uh, that was great. You know, and, and once we went 1 0 up, it, 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 you know, there was only going to be one winner in that game. Yeah, not the last goal he scored before the um, World Cup break, that's for sure. We'll come to that in a moment. But um, that the joy of that game lasted about 48 hours before all the news started breaking yeah, and, the, uh, and the uh, very real realisation that the Nathan Jones era was coming to an end. Um, it took a while to come out, didn't it? Um, uh, but in the meantime, he was given permission to talk to Southampton in the Premier League but told he had to manage the game at Stoke. Um, mm. Huge sideshow of an issue, really. It yeah. resulted in, obviously, a 2-0 defeat um, at the Bet365. And I think, you know, everyone could see from a Southampton nautical mile off that he was going to the yeah. Premier League at that point. So, um, and, and that was obviously his last game as a Luton manager. But should it have been, Dan? No, it should have been the week before really being brutally honest um, I remember hearing it all unfold I was in the harvester over the road from the ground with a Stoke friend of mine and obviously he had his ideas and Nathan Jones and I had mine and very different as you can imagine because he stunk the place out down there um, but yeah the whole the whole saga from from Sunday night all the way through to Thursday I think it was a Thursday morning when he got appointed it, it was just a cloud of uncertainty for us and unfortunately we had a game in the middle of that and you want to go to games to try and win them and you know have no real problems you know only problems you want are on the field and there was a massive one off the field because your manager's off 
but he's got he's staying, but he's going. He, you know, it was a bit. I think it was a distraction that we really could have done without. And if that's one criticism I'd ever have of twenty twenty, like they they don't very often get things wrong, but I think on this this time they did. You know, and he he should have been kept well away. Him, Cohen, and Sheehan, and and that's nothing against them personally. I just think you know if if, if you're already thinking about something else perhaps you should be concentrating on that and leaving the football to the ones that are still going to be here after if and when you go you know so that that lost the game for us already I mean they'll say that it they weren't distracted by it at all but they, I was there and I could see the performance of the players and the match how the game went and they scored two really good goals from crosses they weren't a great side you know my mate said before the game says we're crap you'll beat us and we absolutely stunk that night, and it was, it was a sad way for the Jones era to end. Mm. Yeah, it was certainly a because very lacklustre yeah. affair, and it, and it needn't to be that way. Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, obviously, after that, in the week after that, he left, um, and his confirmation at Southampton was confirmed, and the appointment or the temporary appointment of Mick Harford in the. Uh, don't know what role he was called this time, but he's done everything at the club, hasn't he? Yeah. So I think he was caretaker or something, manager, which he took on into the weekend's game at uh, against Rotherham at home. Uh, and of that one, um, Luke Berry was a, the other goal that Luke Berry scored. He mm-hmm. it was his second in in three and a late late rescue to uh, to take a point against. Uh, a Rotherham side that were rather more impressive than I'd given them credit for. Tony. Yeah, I, I think we all sort of underestimated. We we thought um, we took it for granted that we were going to get three points there, and I think because they scored in with their very first attack in the first minute, we, you know, when Pelly made a mistake, didn't they? In, in the bot, you know, yeah, touch and go, and, and and the guy hit it and it went in, and their tails were up, and we were a bit shell shocked. Um, but they they didn't look a bad side, Rotherham actually, and and they fought and everything else. And I was expecting a, another version of Wickham because of what you've heard about them feigning injury and mm-hmm. you know wasting time and everything. But um, hold that thought for part two. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we we um we we equalised. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I thought that was a fair result. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, Rotherham came here. I remember speaking to Mick afterwards. Actually, he, you know, I said to him, "Look, Mick, it, it, to me, it looked like a, a lot of teams come to Kenilworth Road for a point. They're quite happy to stick men behind the ball. Rotherham had the luxury of getting the early goal, and they could afford to sit on it. And we just couldn't break them down. We tried and we tried. And you've got to give credit to Rotherham and their management team for setting up like that because away from home that's that's what you want as a supporter isn't it? and they'd all gone home really up probably a bit gutted that we scored in the 89th minute and the manner we did as well but f- from our from our point of view you know it was encouraging in the sense that we were creating more chances and I felt we were actually a bit more attacking than we had been in previous weeks underneath and we seemed to be a bit reluctant to um, create as many chances whereas this whereas that game we I, th- I felt we were a bit more on the front foot and ready to go at them. And I think something about Mick really just rejuvenates the place. Everybody just sort of perks mm. up and Mick's back. 
you know, and everybody's onside again. And you know, we can't keep relying on Mick in the future, but you know, he's he's always there and he lifts everybody up, doesn't he? Yeah, and that helped against Rotherham because we could have rolled over and died easily that game that day, but we didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we talk about it wasn't the ideal send off for Nathan Jones at Stoke, but it was a nice uh, finish, really, for, for Mick Harford. Um, not that he's not going to be involved with the club, of course, but uh, to to get a point in the last minute uh, through Luke Berry um, and the reaction he got from everybody when he came out on the pitch. And um, I was in the press conference after with with Mick and, um, you know, I've been in press conferences with Mick when Luton got relegated out of the, out of the Football League and he was gutted then, but it was general, genuine, he got genuinely choked up really for first time that I've ever seen certainly and and that's for obvious reasons because of his um his health situation and his mm. battle against cancer sort of just shows that football's not the most important thing in the world isn't it but it, it can give you those moments it just shows you how special he is to us and when you think he's actually managed the club in four divisions now yeah and that's quite an achievement yeah it is and uh yeah he's he's, he's still going to be around he was obviously part of the team that uh, recruited Rob Edwards, mm. he was there on the uh, first press conference with the new manager and uh, he'll head back into his chief of recruitment role, which he's obviously done so well. Um, well, he's, he very, very rarely gets it wrong, doesn't he? Very rarely. Very rarely. Let, let's hope that... That's uh, what he enjoys doing at the club as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope that uh, his latest um, pick from the lower leagues and down the road is the man <laughs> that... Uh, does the business for Luton but uh, that's the end of part one thanks for listening um, if you uh, f- go onto the socials or on the website you can find part two and that's where we'll be having a little discussion about the games coming up and a little bit of a World Cup uh, coming into domestic football situation potentially we'll, we'll, we'll chat it out but thanks for listening <laughs>